I cannot control what you think of me, but I am not serving you unless I show you who I really am. And so it's, it's very much about releasing the outcome and working from the place of now and, and what do I feel and who am I and how do I want to show up in the world? Thanks for tapping on this episode. This is your host, Kushi Khare, and you are listening to The Women's Stories, the only Indian podcast where I bring extraordinary stories of unconventional business women. I've been personally listening to the podcast of our guest on this episode. Our guest in this episode is joining us all the way from Texas. She is known around the globe for her extensive collection of communication and voice training videos. With over 20 plus years experience in voice on camera and communication training, she is a master of her game. Tracy Goodwin, a voice coach with over 28 years of experience. She is the founder of Captivate the Room, with where she helps to identify your psychology of voice. She believes that voice is the greatest asset of humans. She has worked with multiple celebrities, millennium business holders, and people of the USA's Supreme Court to find their real voice. Today, we'll learn the process to transform your voice for scaling your business directly from the expert. I'm grateful for her kind gesture to accept the invitation to the season two of the Women's Stories. Let's welcome Tracy Goodwin on the Women's Stories. the season two of the women's stories oh i'm so glad to be here thanks for having me so how have you been doing lately well i stay pretty busy and mm-hmm. i am incredibly grateful for that because it's been such a crazy world that we've experienced over the last year and a half and so i'm grateful that i get to do what i get to do every single day and that i have stayed busy and been able to help people like I've been able to help. What is the importance of hymns like Om for opening your voice? So hymns like Om, what they do is they they do a couple of things. Mm -hmm. And I'll try to not get too technical, but the bottom line of what they do is they bring the sound forward and they open up the mouth cavity. People don't always understand that their sound is gets stuck in certain places. It gets stuck in their throat or up in their nose. And so a vibration like that can bring the sound forward so that it can flow out. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't necessarily do that in a, in a warm-up way, but ultimately what we're after is to lock that forward placement in. And so I'm sure you've seen over time, the repetition of that has literally brought your voice forward and that's the new way you speak. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how has your voice developed over the time in your coaching career? That, uh, that's a different side. Well, you know, interestingly enough, in retrospect, I can look back and I can see that one of my greatest gifts was that I always knew how to use my voice. At the age of 12, I was a professional speaker. And a lot of that came from my story, but a lot of it came from I just had an understanding, an intuitiveness about knowing how to command a space. That was part of it. 
However, my, vo my own voice story has shifted and transformed so dramatically over the years because I always, while I was always really good at using my voice and all my accolades as a director and an actor went back to voice, there was still a performance aspect to it. And so I was on. I was, there was still a connection barrier. And it was through the creation of Psychology of the Voice that I became even more impactful with my voice because you 100% know who I am all the time. And so not only do I step into the, have I stepped into the full power of my voice, it is the full power of my voice, not my performance voice. Uh, I've I've heard your stories quite a time. You have you have been very vocal about your childhood story where you were not allowed to talk, and then how did it help you to bring out your real voice? And now you know, listening you live can can have paved me a path to understand you a little bit more deeply. Right. So, like, can a human maintain a constant state of voice epiphany? And if yes, how have you maintained it for yourself? Yes, that is possible. And really what's interesting about this for many, many people, and as you know, because you, you, you know my story, you know my work, it's ultimately not about speak louder, speak slower, articulate your words. Voice epiphany is when I am internally very comfortable revealing who I am and letting you know through my voice how I feel, and who I am. And that means voice epiphany ultimately comes from releasing the outcome. I can truly show you who I am if I am not concerned about your judgment for me. And so really voice epiphany is, you know, voice work in my world comes from the inside out. And so when you, so that's, so yes, it can be maintained. Mm -hmm. That is the place you can work from, but you do have to go through the process. And the process for me, just like everybody else, is we ultimately first and foremost have to release the outcome. I cannot control what you think of me, but I am not serving you unless I show you who I really am. And so it's, it's very much about releasing the outcome and working from the place of now and and what do I feel and who am I and how do I want to show up in the world when I can do that then I can speak to you in a way that reflects my real voice that reflects how I feel about things who I am and that is now how you can know me you can't know me if I don't let you in. So there's a level of vulnerability to it. And I don't even love that word because people get freaked out over that word. <laughs> they think, oh, no, that means I have to tell them everything about me. And it's not that at all. Mm -hmm. It's that I'm releasing the judgment you may have of me. And I'm letting you know me. That's what that means to me. That's so powerful. But um, I, I'm still curious, like, uh, as a human, um, I mean, um, it's it's uh, difficult sometimes to maintain that state, and sometimes you face anxiety, and automatically it's it's not intention uh, intentional, but your voice goes back of your throat, and that that's so painful that uh, you feel like you are stuck somewhere unintentionally. You are not thinking bad of something, or even you are not thinking bad of yourself, but you are just stuck somewhere, and your voice automatically have you know, uh, an immediate effect um, 
So how to deal with such situations? So as you know, I'm not super technical mm-hmm. about, and, and because I believe that every single voice is different, mm-hmm. I don't have an ABC approach. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to give you something super technical per se. Mm-hmm. But one of the reasons that happens is we go into the place of fear. When we go into the place of fear, that tells me that subconsciously we have decided what the other person is thinking. We have decided we have to get it right. We have decided we have not gotten it right. We have decided we do not have the authority to fill the space. We have decided our words don't matter. We've made a decision based on what someone else has done or said or a tone or an environmental circumstance or an educational circumstance. You know, when I think about younger people and I hear this almost daily, Tracy, I have to be professional. I'm in the room with people that have done this longer than I've been alive. And that is exactly what I'm talking about. You respect those people 100%. You, you can admire their knowledge and their expert tutelage, but that doesn't make you less. And it doesn't mean they've decided that you are less. It means we... We have to stop deciding what people are thinking about us because 99.5% of the time, what we think they're thinking, they're not thinking. And we have to really start to come to grips with everything is always working out. My voice matters. It is okay to say what it is I need to say in this now because what I believe they are thinking, that is my subconscious trying to trick me and keep me small. And staying present and not getting in that perception of an outcome is one of the ways that we can stop that shaky voice or stop that noise that, you know, not really commanding a presence because it's coming from a place of fear and it's really all in our head. Our subconscious is trying to keep us safe and we are safe. Yeah, that, that's, something illusional our subconscious is trying to keep us uh, safe but uh, the you know the effect is differently opposite <laughs> we are shaking right. yeah and we are sweating and that that's so uh, state that, that's so you know painful i've i've personally felt that state and it's it's not a good state to be in well and and what's fascinating is as i as i created psychology of the voice I became more and more fascinated with this concept of subconscious calling the shots on the voice. And so I started working with a lot of subconscious reprogrammers. And it was in in that work that I learned the feeling in the body comes from the thought. So if you are sweating, if your voice is shaking, if you are going blank, the thought created that. And so a, a somewhat technical thing that we can do is change the thought. Because when we change the thought, we change the physical reaction of the thought. So if my thought is, you don't know what you're talking about, they're all staring at you, you are really not doing a good job, I'm going to have that physical feeling. But if I can work from the place of whatever that phrase is for for whoever, everything is working out, you are doing fine, don't decide what they are thinking, you know what you're talking about. If we can change that thought, we can quell that physical feeling. 
Sorry to interrupt you in between but it will be very kind of you if you could take just a second to subscribe or follow the women's stories from whichever platform you are listening the episode now. So can you recommend two exercises to remove voice masks? So voice masks, yes and no. Every voice mask is different. Yeah. And so for for me to give you something specific might be I might not be able to exactly do that. But I think the first thing that we need to do to remove a voice mask is to figure out what, what one is and to figure out what are we hiding behind. And, and voice masks is a concept that, that I came up with when I would hear sounds that were barriers, that were blocks, that were protection. Something like somebody's trying to prove. Like they need to prove everything. And, and, and that keeps us out. Or a people pleaser, like maybe I'm being a people pleaser right now because I want you to like me. And so I think the first thing is figure out what do you do? Do you use too many words? Are you trying to make everybody like you? Are you trying to prove you your voice matters? Are you trying to get it right? Are you, what are you doing? And, and that that's tricky because it it requires a little bit of introspection. But I think if we look at that, we can figure out, oh yeah, I am trying to prove I'm worthy. I am trying to be what I think people want me to be. So we've, you want to go there first and then you want to ask the question, why, why am I doing that? Why do I feel I need to prove something? Why do I do that? From a technical perspective, that's the internal piece. And that's the tricky piece because I don't know you. And, and if I could hear your voice, I could, I could say, and I know you've got thousands of listeners. And, and so I'm trying to give you something that will work even if I don't hear the sound. So that's the inner piece. The outer technical piece is everything becomes a conversation. You don't have to prove to me. You don't have to show up. You don't have to do big. You don't have to... We talk at people or we completely withdraw. And, and if we can move everything, even a presentation in an MBA, <laughs> it's just a conversation. Yeah. And you're talking to another human. And in your mind's eye, you can imagine that you're talking to someone you know, like, and trust. They are, in, they are there with you. Maybe you're speaking to your class of 50, or maybe you're speaking to a Zoom meeting of 100 but you're still talking to your best friend, Judy. And it's just a conversation. And when we move into that conversation, we tend to not be hiding behind those masks because we've lowered the stakes, because we've released the outcome, because Judy loves me no matter what. So I can just have a conversation with her. So no matter how high stakes it may be, Mm -hmm. everything becomes a conversation because that's when we're really going to show up our best vocally, because that's when we're comfortable. So even back to your hands are sweating and you're shaking, it's just a conversation. Yeah. And uh, do you think facing your truth, the inner truth, uh, the truth you only know about yourself as a human, um, is it also one of the important pillars to remove uh, your voice mask? That is a really good question. And I want to think for just a moment before I answer that. Yes, I, I do. 
Now, I'm, I'm saying this carefully because I'm thinking ahead briefly to say, okay, what's the tangible I can give on this? Because people may already be thinking, well, I always thought about voice coaching as speak louder, slow down, say the words this way. And I just don't find that to work. So yes, as a lifelong learner, I will continue to hire coaches and continue to want to work on improving me. But pillar one of psychology of the voice is unearth the stories that you have been buying into your whole life. So yes, facing would be unearthing in my mind. It doesn't mean you have to do a deep dive. It doesn't mean you have to spend 20 years sorting it out. It means what are the stories in your head that you're buying into and asking are those stories ultimately true? Because we buy into things that aren't necessarily true, but the subconscious trying to keep us safe runs that noise long enough that we adjust our voice and create a habit around that noise. And then if we stop long enough to go, wait a minute, is it true that nobody wants to hear what I have to say? Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> and we can recognize that's a story that put something in place and that maybe we needed it at one point but we no longer need it and we can let it go and we can work from a different place. So in, in the short run, yes, but I, I hesitated on the yes because I don't want people to think, oh my gosh, I have this lifetime of sorting to do before I can step into the power of my voice because I don't believe that to be true. I think we can do these things very quickly and awareness is critical. And that, that, was a very deep answer it, it felt like I was releasing something out of my body I and mean, thanks thanks a lot uh, for this answer good good I'm glad that's what you were looking for and that it was helpful so uh, what should be the process to maintain the right balance of humility and confidence I love this question so much this is this is such a great question and when we go back to the subconscious the subconscious has tricked us into buying into the story that if we are confident, we are arrogant. And confidence and arrogance, they, they really are sisters in a way. They're very, very close together. And we fear because the majority of people are, have humility. We don't want to showboat. We don't want to sound like a jerk. We, we want to be liked. We want sense of belonging. There's so many factors in humility and, and most people have tremendous humility. The problem is, is the pendulum swings and we take humility to an extreme and we take arrogance to an extreme. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we have known someone that is arrogant and, and we say in our mind's eye, I am never going to be like that guy. I am never going to be like her. If I am like her, stop me now. And so we work over time to not be like that. And so we, we, we get to where we're actually playing small. And we, f we feel like we think that is humility. And really there's an in-between. So we've got humility way over on the left and we've got arrogance way over on the right and nobody plays in the middle. And I want you to play in the middle. And that middle is 
and, and this is the work that I do every day. That middle is it's 100% okay to boldly own what you're good at. It is 100% okay. In fact, I have found in my research that that is what the world wants us to do. The professor, the, the boss, they want us to confidently share our ideas. And confidence means I own it and I am okay with knowing what I know. That is not arrogance. You see, the truth about arrogance is arrogance is actually coming from a place of fear. Yeah. I, I have to be a hot shot because I'm really a wreck inside. And that's the difference. Arrogance is a tone. Confidence is an own, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that was so powerful. And especially, uh, you, I completely agree. Arrogance comes from the place of fear. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that and we hear that. And, and subconsciously, we, we make one quick decision that says, I'm never going to be like that. And then the pendulum swings to the other side. And, and so it becomes a, a feeling of arrogance. And we're simply just being confident. Every single time I have someone step into confidence, they say to me, it feels like they're being arrogant. And they're not. You know, I say to people all the time, try to be arrogant. Please let me see. Let me show you that you're not even, you can't even go there because most people really can't, but they fear that they can. And that goes back to that judgment. I'm worried you're going to judge me. An arrogant person may or may not be worried about judgment. And that's complicated. That's also complicated. Right. Yeah. right. That's, a, that's another episode. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, what is the difference in the psychology of voice when someone is scaling and is not playing safe? Like what is the psychology behind that perspective, that mindset? I pause because I'm formulating my thought and I think it really boils down to bits of you. Mm-hmm. When, when we're playing safe, we may be showing up. We may be doing the, the work, you know, being visible we may be building our business mm-hmm. and, and we can even be building our numbers, right? I will never say that you cannot be successful. I have very successful people I work with and, and the place that I take them is another level of success. But it not playing safe means you are showing me bits of you. And this goes all the way back to, to your first question that you asked me. Am I letting you in or not? I I can show up and I can be on and I can do the video and I can sound polished and I can sound slick and I can sound interesting, but am I really letting you in? Can you, am I really letting you know who I am? One of the things that I say to my students often is, what do you do? Do you snort laugh? Are you sarcastic? Do you get loud? Do you squeal? Do you get quiet? What are the things that you do? And we don't reveal those things. And that is playing it safe, even if you are showing up. If you are showing up and turning on, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Well, you're showing up and you may scale your business by doing that. But are you ultimately connecting? Are you ultimately reaching everyone that your message is supposed to reach? Or are you missing a third of them because you're not fully letting us in. So playing it safe means I'll show up and do the video. I'll do the podcast. I'll do the interview, but I'm going to control it. And I'm going to be on 
and I'm not going to let you in because that's dangerous in my mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, uh, I was kind of maybe, you know, kind of trying to relate. Maybe um, I may be doing some of the things wrong, but I'm willing to, you know, correct them. So your answer would uh, truly help me. And I think all the other people who might be listening to this episode. But see, there's a difference. And I hear you talking to me. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. I connect with you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it becomes, it can even become a feeling when we know we're on. And when we know we're on, we can tell, we kind of put up the wall, right? We have to go back to conversation. That's how you bring the wall down. And it's a process. You're exactly mm-hmm. right. It's a process. Yeah, I mean, uh, practicing it would come. Um, um, I think vigorous practicing uh, would help you. I mean, sometimes you practice and the walls are down, but then eventually you get onto that state again. And then you have to again, like kind of uh, put it onto your subconscious to remove the walls. And then it takes time. You are like back to the level one. Well, and here's something else you can do in those cases is what does it physically feel like when you are not on, when you're just in a conversation, where there's a physical feeling, then what does it physically feel like when you're on? It's a different physical feeling. When you feel that feeling, bring in the other feeling. And when we bring it back and bring it back and bring it back enough times, then the not on or the revealing who I am feeling that is in the top layer of the muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So it's a redirection, redirection, redirection through a physical feeling. And that's something people can work with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what are the crucial pillars to identify your real voice and bring it to the right place? So in psychology of the voice, there are three pillars. And, and in a nutshell, what we want to do is, and I mentioned pillar one, unearth the stories. What is the noise in your head saying? What, what are you buying into? Nobody wants to hear me. Uh, I never stop talking. I never say anything. What are those stories and dispelling them? Are they ultimately true? Most things are not. Then in pillar two, we want to unmask. What are we hiding behind? What is it that we fear? What is it that we're hoping will get us a result that won't get us a result? Are we trying to prove that we're good enough? Are we using a lot of big words so people think we're smart rather than just owning that we are? And then pillar three is all about unleashing the best version of you. And that's where we, you know, the number one question I get asked is, how do I captivate the room? Well, you captivate the room by unleashing the real you. And that's where we bring in, are you showing me who you are? That's part of pillar two as well. But are you giving me the bits of you? Mm -hmm. Are you using all the elements of vocal variety? Or are you focusing solely on the words and trying to get it right? So it's where you really show me who you are and own that. Those are the three, that's the three steps. And really a lot of times people will say, well, I just want to, I just want more vocal variety. Well, you're not going to be able to use more vocal variety if you've got a story in your head that says, hey, tone it down. You need to tone it down. You're too loud and boisterous. Mm -hmm. 
you're not going to be louder. You're not going to show more vocal variety. So you see, it's a bit of a, a stacking one, two, three in a way. And I personally feel, as you said, you know, vulnerability, I think vulnerability is a powerful tool. And the third stage that is unleashing yourself, I think vulnerability uh, is a very crucial tool. Being vulnerable is, I think, is amazing, is awesome. I, it, it's, it's the everything. Yeah. It's, it's critical. And I think it's important to reframe the definition of vulnerability for your listeners, because some of them might be thinking that vulnerability means I have to tell you everything about me. Mm-hmm. You have to know all my deep, dark secrets. <laughs> and that's not true. Mm-hmm. My, my students laugh all the time. They say, well, you know what? We feel like we've known you our whole life, but we don't really know anything about you. We know a few things. And that's what it is. It's that I'm vocally letting you in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I don't want people to fear it, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, your wavelengths are able to match. I mean, you are able to like uh, kind of cast the wavelengths around in the room and you are able to connect with them uh, in that particular mo- moment. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and the releasing judgment is a big part of that. If I'm not worried about your judgment... I can show up as myself mm-hmm. with less fear because I'm not worried about what you think. And just in and of itself, that gets easier as you get older and as you have more, you know, if you've done more yards and you've, and you've done more work and you've done, you've got had more experience that gets easier and just by default. Uh, that, that was soothing to listen. I hope so that maybe then years down the lane, I would be a little more calm, a little, you know, less anxious. And yeah. (laughs) So you have been very vocal about your personal story. And I feel so happy to listen to it every time. But I'm curious to know your future plans at this moment, I think. Uh, Now you are very self aware, and you are at the point where you have like kind of um, you know, realize your true purpose. So now what is the next big picture that you are aiming to hit? That's such a good question. And I, and I had that same question yesterday with my coach. And my, my goal at this point, which has been for the last few years, is to reach as many people with this powerful message before I leave this planet. I, we never know how much time we have left, right? But when you get, you know, there's another thing that happens when you get older is all of a sudden you realize your mortality. You realize you have been put here to serve a purpose and have you served it well. At least that was my experience. Mm-hmm. And when I made that realization, I knew I had to do a shift my business a little bit because my end goal is to end suffering around the ability to use one's voice. It is the most powerful asset we have. And it is staggering how many people are terrified to not only say what they need to say, but to say it and show up as themselves. And so from a, from a literal technical business standpoint, what I'm moving into is I'm a certificate program Mm -hmm. where I will teach the teachers who will then share Mm -hmm. the message and I will take a step back a little bit. It's not that I won't still be the voice of the business because it's Mm -hmm. my ear that is the voice of the business. But my goal is to train teachers to help me expand because with only one of me and just 24 hours in a day, I'm at 
I'm at that point where I, I'm at the saturation point to expand. So that is the, the goal is that my, and I, the, I'm about to do the first round of teaching the teachers and that they then go and expand the message into their organizations and their audiences and their schools and their businesses. And I am able to step back a little bit and put my focus on teaching the teachers and teaching people how to hear like I hear. I know that it is literally a gift that I was given, but I, I believe that possibly at this point in the research that everyone can ultimately hear like I do. We'll find out. You check with me in a year. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. I would really like to check into that research. Lastly, uh, one message that you would like to give to young minds who are stuck in a family that might not give them a chance to voice out their true self? Mm. Such a powerful question. And I know that I know that our stories define ultimately who we are. And I know that there are so many factors. There are, in fact, I had a conversation with someone, one of my clients just a couple of days ago about the impact of being the youngest. And there is the birth order impacts, Mm -hmm. the culture impacts, the environment impacts, everything impacts our ability to use our voice. And I know those things matter. And what I, when I say, I know those things matter, I, I don't want to give a permission slip to run crazy and buck the system Mm -hmm. of the stories and the family and those things, because I think, we have to, I don't think the end goal is I'm doing it. I, I don't care what you think. Listen to me. My voice matters. I don't think that's the approach. I do think our voice matters. And I think that we have to em- embody that no matter what the story, the family, the culture, the environment, no matter what, we have to embody that we first and foremost are worthy because we are. Hard stop. We are worthy because we are irregardless of if no one wanted to hear my voice. If I had stopped believing that I had a voice to be heard, I wouldn't be here in this conversation with you. I wouldn't have been able to touch thousands of lives over the last 30 plus years. So we first must embody that we're worthy because we are, and then we have to embody that our voice matters. But then the execution of that using our voice must be done. Now, you've listened to my podcast. You know, at the end, I say every week, I say, just go out there and speak your truth, but do it beautifully. And, and so I think we have to find a way to say what we need to say, but without the raw emotion. People feel like using their voice or being direct is the problem. And that is not the problem. It is all the emotion that is wrapped up in your frustration and your anger and your being misunderstood that comes out in your voice that creates the problem for you. So I'm from the South, as your audience has probably figured out from my accent. And we have an old Southern saying, you can catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And that's literally a core component of what I have created. I can say what I need to say if I say it with kindness. It is And that is what I want to say to your listeners. First and foremost, know that your voice matters and find the small, tiny ways to start using your voice with kindness, not with agenda. Does that answer that question? 
Absolutely. I was so engrossed into the answer. It was uh, very enlightening to listen. And I think it was something different that I heard in this episode. I think you haven't covered this aspect in any of uh, the other episode or, or other podcast. So I'm truly happy that we had a different kind of conversation um, on this episode. So thanks, yes. thanks a lot. Yes. Well, this has been, this is great. And that gave me a great episode idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that, thanks a lot for accepting the invitation, Ms. Tracy. It was really enlightening uh, to have a conversation with you. And I truly hope that this uh, episode would reach miles away and it would reach to those, you know, to those young minds who might be facing such situation. I, I really hope from the bottom of my heart. As do I. Thank you so much for having me. It was just such an honor to be here with you today. If you like this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and family. Do tag me on your social media handles. Up till then, take care of yourselves and keep spreading love. I'll talk to you soon.